So, I want to welcome everybody to this episode of the Christian Bible Study Ministry Podcast, and uh, this being that, uh, I mean, excuse me, it being that tomorrow is Father's Day, I want to say Happy Father's Day to everybody out there who, no matter what uh, circumstance uh, your life finds you in, whether you're a single dad, married dad, or, you know, hey, even a, even a single mom who is having to play both uh, mom and dad, uh, Happy Father's Day to everybody. And uh, certainly I want to say Happy Father's Day to those who may have recently lost a dad. My dad passed away uh, four and a half years ago, so I know the pain of losing a dad. My mom is also gone too, so... Uh, <clears throat> and, the, you know, it's a pain that really never goes away, you know, no matter how long your dad's been gone. But, anyway, we will now get into the subject of today's program. We're, we are going to be reading from First John chapter 3, and we're going to cover the first 20 verses of this chapter. It might actually indeed be the entire chapter. Uh, so, but anyway, we it's going to deal with how we, the people in the church, are supposed to treat each other. You know, if we say we have the love of Christ and we don't do right by the people who are our fellow brothers and sisters, then what does that really say? I think, and it says a lot about how we're walking with the Lord, or if we even belong to Him at all. So, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, and we will read, excuse me while I get ready here, I should have done this beforehand, but anyway... Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, the love of God is that... He has bestowed on us sonship. We are actually, you know, sons and daughters of God. And we are of his family. The world doesn't know him, so it does not know us. The world is not part of God's family, by and large. You know, actually, you know, when the Bible talks about the world, it's talking about unbelievers. And... This is the blessing, the love that God has shown to us that his son died on that cross so that we could be adopted into his family. This is sonship and daughtership. That is love. Agape. Verse 3 through, well actually, excuse me, verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. What this means is that, you know, Christ is pure, and since he is our hope, in him is our hope and trust, 
we long to be like him. You know, we're part of him, so we are made to be like him. And this isn't done all at one time. It's a process that lasts from the moment a person is saved until the very moment that a person dies. It is what we call in theological terms, progressive sanctification. You know, and it's, I believe that this is done, it's, it could very well be done because a person would not be able to withstand a total sudden dramatic change, you know, and the Lord wants to use that process and to strengthen our walk with him because he uses trials to, uh, to strengthen us. We'll go into verses 4 through 5. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No matter how big or little a sin is, you know, we have a tendency as people to minimize and maximize sins, you know, Oh, uh, we look at, we look at as murder and adultery as being big, horrible crimes, which they are, and we tend to kind of overlook stuff like little white lies or little falsehoods and stuff, you know. But this is the severity of the law that to break even just one little point of it, you're guilty of breaking the entire thing. Sin is sin, no matter how big or small it is. It is all breaking the law. And this is why Jesus came to take away our guilt. Because we're all guilty at some, on some point of the law. You know, even if you've lived, were able to live your whole life and only commit one little sin, like say a white lie or whatever, it's like you've actually, I mean, God treats it like you've out, went out and killed somebody. That's this, you know, because it, it has the same consequence. Your sins, your one little sin, that one little white lie would damn you to hell. And so this is why Jesus came to take away that penalty for us, you know, our guilt. Verse 6 through 7. Whosoever abideth, abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Verse 7. I like these verses here. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. What this is saying here is if you're walking in Christ, you know, if you're, uh, if you have a right walk with Christ, your lifestyle is going to reflect that. It will reflect it. It is not, it, you're not going to be able to hide it. It is something that will bear great fruit and people will see it. Excuse me. But he, you know, people will see it, and what you know, we all stumble and fall down in our walk in the Christian life. There's no doubt about it. But in general, what what this is saying is, if you are a true Christian, you're going to have a pull away from sin. A person who does not know Jesus Christ is not going to have that. That's why it says, excuse me. That's why it says, whoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. There's going to be some kind of evidence of a change in your life if you actually know Jesus Christ. There has to be. There's going to be some little piece of fruit that was that is born 
because his seed will not, his word will not return void. That's the phrase that just popped in my head all of a sudden. You know, it's like if you have his seed in you, which we're fixing to, you know, which it does talk about later on. Uh, if you're, if he, if his seed is in you, you're going to have a strong conviction at some point in your life over sin. He is going to deal with you about it. And it might not be too nice, but that's out of his love for us, you know. We're going to go to verses 8 through 9. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. That's what I was just talking about. And he cannot sin because he's born of God. Jesus came to destroy the devil and his works. The whole reason that Jesus came was to destroy sin. Sin is the work of the devil. You know, Satan instigated all of this. Mankind is still to blame, yes, but Satan instigated it. Remember in the Garden of Eden, he whispered into uh, Eve, Here, eat this fruit. Thou shalt not die. Thou shalt be like God. And if you have the Holy Spirit within you, he might let you go for a little bit, but sooner or later there's going to come a day of reckoning when he gets your attention and says, Hey, we need to talk right now. He's done it to me. He's done it to other people. I know he's done it to my pastor before. My pastor's talked about his experience. And he wants you to come to him so that he can have so that you and him can have the best relationship possible and it says straight up here that he that committeth sin is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning you know if you're not saved you are of the devil there's no the bible doesn't beat around the bush a person who is a non-christian is of the devil the devil is their father. That's harsh. It's harsh. I know that my phone just went off right there, but uh, anyway. Uh, so, but the Bible is harsh when it talks about the character of sin. It tells you straight up that sin is of the devil, and that whoever commits sin is therefore of the devil you will manifest some some kind of repentance or some kind of good fruit in your life if you generally know Jesus Christ. That can't be overstated. So, and you know, and Satan was like this from the beginning. You know, he wanted to be like God. He thought for some reason in his mind that he could overthrow God and uh, he took many of the angels with him you know i believe it was a third if you read in revelation you know it says a third of the stars were swept from the heavens and satan has one desire for us human beings and that is to destroy us and unfortunately uh many 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 people probably in the billions have already been destroyed and that is by their own choice to not follow the word of God as it has been revealed, even in nature, you know. And it is because of the instigation, it is, it is at the instigation of Satan. 
totally. Now we're going to go down to verse 10. And this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. This is basically kind of this is the same stuff that we were just talking about. If you don't manifest, if you don't have a love for the people of God, then you need to really look at yourself and ask the question, do you really know Jesus Christ? Because if the Holy Spirit is in you somewhere, you will have some kind of love for your fellow brethren, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is said that by this, you know, by this change of life, that the children of God are made known, they're made manifest. And by the lack of a change of life, the children of the devil are also made known, made manifest. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. In, other, in one way that you could say this, whoever does not believe in Jesus Christ is not of God. You know, the only way, you know, in a theological sense, uh, the only way that we do righteousness is by having faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way we can have any kind of righteousness is by belief, by believing in him. And if you don't believe in him, then you are not of God. It's just that simple. Verses 11 through 12. For this is the message that he heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother and wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous now this doesn't happen in my church but i'm sure that it happens in other churches you know where is the unity in the church you know people get uh jealous of each other they let disagreements uh split you know their unity and The, you know, and John tells us here that we are supposed to love one another. You know, and to not be like Cain. Cain was jealous of his brother because his brother did what he was supposed to do and Cain didn't do it. So, and Cain just totally ignored what the Lord warned him about and uh, he slew his brother and became an exile, a vagabond, because of it. Cain did not have the love of God in him. And so John is cautioning us here that we're not to let these things, we're not to let things uh, interfere with our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are supposed to love each other. Turn now to verses uh, 13 through 14. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You know, uh, the world is going to hate you. It hated Jesus. 
because Jesus was righteous and the world did not want to see that at all, period. They didn't want him. So, it is going to hate you. If the world does not want to hear the truth, doesn't want to hear the truth. And we know that we have passed from death into life because we have a love of our brothers and sisters in the church. The church is everywhere. The church is everywhere that you find another believer in Jesus Christ. That is the church. Not just inside the building, the congregation. And he that does not show care or concern and compassion for his brother abideth in death. That is the life of an unbeliever. A person who does not have the Holy Spirit. The love of God is not in them. It is not in them at all. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Very plainly, it's saying that if you have that in your heart, then you're not a Christian, because the love of God does not abide in you. Very strong stuff here. Because no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Cain didn't have it. Are you like Cain? And if you are, then you really need to take a deep look at yourself and pray to God and ask for uh, a chance to know Christ. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If you see your brethren in need of something, you know, hey, whether they lost, you know, they might have had a house burnt down or something, or that somebody might have stolen all their possessions or whatever. You know, they might have lost all their food. The refrigerator went out. Whatever the case may be, they need to have a car fixed. If you have money, whatever, you know, whatever it is, money or food or whatever, and you see that need and you have the ability to help that person, do it. I mean, do it without uh, without hesitation, you know. I mean, yeah, well, sure, we might have a little bit of, you know, oh, I want, I want to keep this for something, you know, but if you really, if you really love your brethren, and stuff, you're not going to have a big struggle over whether or not to help them out. And if you don't help them out, then how dwells the love of God in you? Think about it. Think about it. Verses, excuse me, verse, verse 18 through 19. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. You know, don't just talk, don't just pray for somebody. Don't just pray good words and all that. Do stuff. Do these things that you're praying about. Pray, you know, yeah, I mean, sure, pray, pray to have compassion on people. But also exercise 
that compassion. Let your faith be active. Kind of reminds me of what James says, you know, uh, faith without works is dead. And what that's saying is, is that uh, faith, if you don't live out your faith, then what power is your faith really going to have? It's not going to have any power. It, it's just not going to be there. And, you know, again, faith without works is dead. Live out your faith. Verses 19, 19 through 20 now. Verses 19 through 20. Excuse me for a second, y'all. I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For our, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. This is a very wonderful passage here, and it deals with a couple of things. Um, the Spirit will convict us of sin. He will convict us of sin, you know, to, you know, and you know, in order for us to be able to confess and repent of our sins. But also, if we've already confessed our sins and repented, hey, sometimes our heart, you know, it's like the the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Our heart can condemn us for stuff that we've already repented for. And this is the and the beauty of it is the Lord is greater than you. He's greater than your heart. So he knows that you've already repented. He doesn't even think about your sin. He understands your situation, you know, and he, he doesn't hold that sin against you anymore. What this is, it's, you know, very, I'll say very likely it's a tool that the enemy is using against you because he will do it. He loves to throw those fiery darts at people and try to attack people because it is a potent weapon. It, you know, if he can keep somebody down and keep them mired in uh, shame and guilt, they're going to have an awful, uh, awful hard time making progress in their spiritual life. And so they're not going to be as effective for the Lord because of that. And this is when we have to really pray, you know, and it's not going to go away instantly, I think, but we have to really pray over this, that the Lord will fight this enemy. He will fight the enemy for us. We pray, yes, but the, really, hey, it's the Lord that fights for us. You know, but anyway, people, that is uh, the end of this program today, and uh, I apologize. It might have might seem a little bit disjointed, but I have cats here, so... Uh, but anyway, uh, again, happy Father's Day to everybody tomorrow. And I want to close this program now with a prayer that uh, if there is anybody out there listening to this who is being urged by the Holy Spirit right now to accept Christ, I pray that they would do so right now because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so, Father, I pray that anybody listening to this, if they do not know Jesus Christ, I pray that they would accept him tonight, right now at this very moment. And, uh, you know, I don't, I really, I, honestly, I don't have to tell them and say the prayer and all that because they will know. You will tell them what to do. Just yield. Accept the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ into their lives. And it's in Christ's name I pray this. Amen.